All right, little, uh, sorry, technical technical difficulties. Hey, guys, who's I can't read. You do have a camera hanging out of a tree, so I could see whether it'd be te technical difficulties. No, that's the most stable part about this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode nine. Nine, right? Nine. I episode nine of the Restoring Human podcast. I am Jarek Bonkin. I'm Dr. Alex Aguello. And today we, uh, first of all, let's just uh, point out the elephant, literally with these uh, trunks hanging from our headphones here. <laughs> Got a little bit of a new setup today, trying it out. You can let us know how it sounds and... Uh, if if uh, you like this, we're a little more free, mobile, agile. Uh, kind of weird for me because I do like to touch the mic. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Uh, today, first of all, before I get too far, once again brought to you by Great River Family Chiropractic. For a free chiropractic consultation, go to greatriverfamilychiropractic.com slash restoringhuman. Today, back to our conversation from last week. So, last week we framed it up, our conversation, as talking about nutrition and eating for health versus eating for aesthetics. Um, can you give like a super fast recap of kind of where we went with it last week? Yes, I can. Um, well, like I said last week, nutrition, when, when you're talking about health, nutrition typically is everybody's favorite topic to learn about, um, not because everybody understands the importance of nutrition and, and, and why it um, is a big part of somebody being healthy, but everybody knows that the way they look has to do with, with the way that they eat. So they just really want to know what to eat to make themselves look better. Mm -hmm. Of course, if there's weight to, to lose, they want to know how to, to do that as quickly as possible in a way that's going to keep it, keep it off as long as possible. So we kind of talked a little bit about how um, there's plenty of ways to do that, but not all of them are healthy. Yep. And kind of the recommendations that we would want to give from a nutritional perspective is uh, is one that's going to keep you thriving, keep you healthy long term, um, which, like we, we all like to talk about, is just getting back to the way people used to eat, um, as opposed to what people do now and try to single things out of kind of what nutrient mm -hmm. I should be eating, what nutrient I shouldn't be eating, how much of those things should I be eating, when should I be eating? How many meals should I be eating? All those different things people try to play with. Um, and what we're trying to say is just get back to how people used to eat as far as real food, and you're you're going to be fine yeah. with that thing. Yeah. And so one of the big high-level things we kind of hit on was the fact that the s pretty standard American diet is, and, well, I guess we didn't touch on that, but one of the recommendations is, to cut down on fat mm -hmm. um, and eat a much higher carbohydrate diet. And we talked a little bit about uh, what it looks like to eat higher fat instead because of the health benefits that are coming from that. Mm -hmm. Where we left off was talking about kind of performance and how there's this idea that when people are know, higher level athletes are doing higher intensity um, type work that, and I guess not even higher intensity, but even like long duration work, just athletes in general, 
I have this understanding that I need carbohydrates, I need uh, simple sugars to fuel that exercise or that performance. And we, one of the things you said right at the end, you kind of teased, was that actually we, it's not necessarily the best idea. Nope. Um, and that's, again, because we get back to just how did people used to live and people have never eaten as, as many carbohydrates as we eat now um, ever in, in history. And I know that they, um, you know, again, they were just living life, right? There wasn't these huge, they weren't trying to eat to perform. There weren't these big exercise um, events that they were trying to, to be successful in. So, yeah, it might be a, a little different there. But what they're starting to find is, is even for a from a performance perspective, if, if athletes um, or even just the everyday person that's trying to perform the best in the gym to get the most out of their workouts, um, if they just got back to the way people used to, to eat, um, they would be a lot better off mm -hmm. um, just because the fat, number one, is, is not the bad guy. Um, when it comes to things like heart disease and cholesterol problems that everybody thought, it's also not the bad guy in whether or not you're going to put on weight or um, keep you from, from losing weight. Um, but the other thing that people don't understand about fat is it's also a very good energy source. And for you to perform well, you can get a lot of your energy from the fat that mm -hmm. you put in your body, um, but also the fat that's already on your body. Um, as opposed to always having to refuel your body with carbohydrates. Um, our, our bodies are, again, amazing, and they can kind of go back and forth from burning these carbohydrates for energy, but also they can burn fat for energy. Mm -hmm. But some actually some very specific things have to happen if that's going to be the case. And uh, I know we'll get into to some of that. But what's kept us from being able to go back and forth is always putting so many carbohydrates in our body. Yeah, so I guess I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. And for a lot of people I know who understand, well, I guess actually maybe we should back up even a little further, people who understand kind of that whole carbs for energy type of thing, what like what's actually happening there internally that's creating, I mean, you know, eating these, we talked about those goo things yesterday, or even starchy uh grains or like a banana what's what's taking that and turning it into energy well your body basically breaks it down and processes it um into a glucose molecule so carbohydrates will always break down into glucose which is just a form of sugar in our body and that can go right into the energy pathway systems in our body to make something called atp so for anything to happen, including exercise, but also for your heart to beat, for your lungs to breathe, for your stomach to digest food, everything that happens in our body requires this ATP. Um, so in order for us to make ATP, we can, we can take glucose and it can go through that pathway and, and make that. Um, and that happens very, happen, can happen very quickly. Mm -hmm. So um, your body can d use the food that you're eating in a form of carbohydrate, but it also stores some carbohydrates in the body as well um, in the form of what they call glycogen. Mm -hmm. um, and it can put then put those through that, or put those sugar molecules through that same pathway to, to make energy. Um, so that's kind of what's happening in the body and why people, again, think that if they need energy and they need it quickly, that we have to always be putting carbohydrates in our body. 
Yeah. So what then do you say to somebody who understands that they're told to eat higher fat and they try it and they feel like garbage? Well, in the beginning, I'm assuming right, you're saying. Right. So our bodies get used to um, that sort of process that I need sugar for, I need carbohydrates for energy, and that's how my body works. So if I kind of deprive my body from that energy source, my body's going to be like, what in the world's going on? I need this energy source, so it, it's going to crave or demand that more sugar happens in the body. So the body can kind of break down other things, other um, nutrients to get to that um, sugar molecule, that glucose molecule, or if that's not um, possible, then it'll just kind of make you take in more carbohydrates mm -hmm. because like you just said, I'll just be depleted of energy. I won't ha have any, I'll feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So then I, I know, well, my body needs energy from carbohydrates. So I'll just give myself more and more carbohydrates. It takes time for the body to be able to relearn how to burn fat for energy. Sure. Um, so if, if that never happens, then you're always going to feel like crap. Um, sure. But thankfully, because our body again is intelligent can figure that out as long as we're giving it what it needs and staying away from what it doesn't, that process will happen and you will actually feel way better Yeah. than when you were fueling your body with carbohydrates. Yeah. So essentially what I just heard is that it, like you've, if you've created enough damage to where you're, you know, living in this certain way and only able to function off of sugar, Mm -hmm. then like it's not going to be like an overnight thing where your body kind of gets back to this place that it's supposed to be at where you have these kind of two very strong forms of creating energy. Right, right. It's going to take, it takes time. I mean, really everything takes, takes time. Your body doesn't immediately change. Um, and that's going to be different for everybody how long that, how long mm -hmm. that actually takes. But <laughs> we say it all the time. If we can just get back there, over time, the body will adapt. The body will get back to the way that it's it was created to live, and it will happen. So regardless if you feel like crap for a day or for a week or for even a, a year, eventually that's going to happen. Your body's going to switch over to actually function the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So let's talk about going kind of completely to that other end. What is this other form of creating energy that our body has like what is what does that process look like well so that same energy pathway um, that the body uses sugar for the body can break down um, fat and, and use it the same way um, what's amazing though is, is what they're finding is just like anything that creates energy um, there's byproducts of that there's waste um, that same thing happens in our body. So when we create energy from, from a glucose molecule, there's those waste products. Um, and we, we create a certain amount of energy, and we also create a certain amount of waste products. But what they're finding with fat is we create way more energy with fat and way less waste with fat. So they're finding it's more effective and it's more efficient when you actually do that. Mm -hmm. um, but... Again, your body has to be set up in a way where it can it can actually utilize fat for energy. Yeah. Um, 
and I guess we can just go there now of why that why that's the case. The biggest reason of why somebody so that whole process there's a bunch of different things that are happening. There's enzymes required, there's minerals or vitamins that are required, but there's also hormones that are kind of controlling that whole that whole thing. And the primary hormone that does that is, is called insulin. Um, I would say what the, the whole industrialization of our um, lifestyles, um, what we're trying to kind of make up for this whole process, one of the biggest reasons why uh, we're so sick and mm -hmm. why are, as related to food, how that's all changed is because of people's hormones are so thrown off now and specifically, specifically insulin because it leads to so many other problems. But one of the biggest things that insulin does is it shuts off your body's ability to burn fat for energy. So if you have high levels of insulin being produced in your body, regardless of what you're doing in the gym, regardless of anything else that you're doing as far as health, mm -hmm. your body can't switch over to becoming a, becoming a fat burner. Yeah. So you'll always be that sugar burner. So you'll always be in that cycle of needing more and more carbohydrates. Right. And again, you can have high insulin levels most of the time because insulin is also a fat storage hormone. Most of the time, those people are going to be overweight or obese. Yeah. But you can have high insulin levels and, and be look fit and have you know muscle on your body. Um, so that's probably why you always have to go back to requiring more carbohydrates for, for energy so because of insulin. the overabundance of sugar has led to a point where you can't live without sugar is what i just heard you say that's pretty crazy but that's exactly what what is happening because again your body gets re it just gets trained to to function that way now there's some other stuff that goes into it there's actually something that happens in the brain when because sugar tastes really good yeah um there's this pleasure pathway that happens and even an addictive pathway that happens that mm -hmm. makes you also want to continue eating sugar but we're just talking specifically with hormones and why somebody um back to the aesthetics thing of why they uh, can't look better with even though they feel like they're eating well. Mm -hmm. um, it's that, yeah, overabundance of carbohydrates, and now that's requiring your body to need more carbohydrates to stay, to stay functioning. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned was that when we're in this kind of fat-burning state, it's actually used so much more efficiently and less waste and all this and so one of the things that has kind of come up i guess i don't know how recently but recent to my knowledge uh is this ketogenic diet mm -hmm. where it's 100 percent in that fat burning state uh and next to no carbohydrates whatsoever uh, can you explain that to us a little bit? Uh, I think so. Um, <laughs> it's actually been around a, a really long time. Right. Um, but because of the whole, how fat was demonized, it kind of just got, you know, hidden. Um, but there's been a lot of, of doctors that have been um, using it as even a, um, a therapeutic, uh, from a therapeutic perspective, therapeutic approach, um, specifically with brain type, neurological type issues, so the the best therapeutic approach that's ever been studied on seizures is a ketogenic diet um, that's cutting out all forms of carbohydrates um, 
to just getting a, a, a little bit of carbohydrates and going 80, 90% fat um, in your diet. And did you see the, the huge impact that it has on your brain? Now, why would that be the case? Well, because most of your brain is made up of fat. Um, so if you, what, do I got a bug here? No, you're just kind of scratching your whiskers there. Oh. I can hear that. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that just, you know, it's it's been studied for a, a really, really long time. But it's starting to get more and more popular um Mm-hmm. now because number one it's being studied a lot more because sure. we've just gotten to the point where pretty much everybody now is figuring out this low fat thing is a bunch of bull crap <laughs> so it, we're starting to move to well if that was if that's that terrible then maybe we should go to complete opposite and complete go really high fat extreme yeah um, but they're starting to study it with cancer they're starting to study it with again i mentioned a, a few weeks ago with the alzheimer's stuff they're studying it with heart disease um there's just it's it's pretty early and i guess the research to know how yeah. um rate of a, a, a way of, of eating that is but it's 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 pretty powerful yeah. when you actually look at it um did i answer your question i think so yeah i mostly just wanted a kind of an overview of what that was um last week i mentioned we were talking about calories and stuff and i had a little asterisk by you have to be in this like deficit and balancing out these calories and the one thing i was thinking about is the fact that like because burning fat is so much more efficient like a ketogenic like baseline daily nutritional requirement is exponentially higher than like what you would need you know when people are talking about counting calories and what you need to stay the same weight if you're burning that fat you have to be eating a lot more because you're using what you're eating a lot more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're one that's exercising and stuff and, and yeah. using, um, you're, you're utilizing energy more efficiently, more effectively than people that are people that are sedentary. Um, yeah. So the, back to the kind of the calorie thing, um, you asked me last week when they even came up with that. Yeah. Did you look, uh, I did look into that and they're, they actually don't really know. It's somewhere, most likely in the early 1800s, somebody kind of discovered this. Um, but again, it's just back to of how it's a way of measuring um, energy. Basically, they'd say one calorie, how they find out one ca- something is one calorie is however much um, energy it requires to raise water um, Tem- one degree. Temperature bar. One degree Celsius. Yeah. Um, so then the, in... I guess the kind of the mid 1800s, late 1800s, they started to apply that to food. And then there was this book, I think it was called, uh, I'm not going to remember. Basically, it was a cookbook. And the lady that wrote this book was one of the first people to start to put a name to macronutrients. Oh, okay. So started to talk like a food chemist. Nice. So food used to just be beef, apples, you know, butter. Sure. But now it's come to where even like uh chefs talk about well now we need a protein in this in this particular meal now we need a carbohydrate mm-hmm. and, um that never used to be of course again the people we talk about it thousands of years ago knew nothing about that stuff but as we we're learning more and more um about you know just science and being able to study the stuff more um again that's just taking us further and further away from the way we used to eat because now we think we're smarter than nature and can just say well let's just figure out the proper fat content, proper protein content, proper amount of calories we need, all these different things. Um, 
and yes, there's good things about that, and we want we want to be able to to use that um, the good things about it, but just generally, it's it's got us to a really really bad spot mm-hmm. when we do that. And the biggest thing that it's taken us away from is we forget about the source of those particular nutrients. So just because we know yeah. we might need yeah. a certain amount of protein or we need a certain amount of fat or a certain amount of carbohydrates, we totally forget about, number one, was that made in the laboratory or did it actually come from nature? Um, if it does come from nature, what else is on that food? What else is in that food? How is that food raised? All these different things, the sources has just we've forgotten about that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest thing that's the biggest problem that's still, still around, not just from comparing it like a standard American diet to an actual healthy diet, but even the stuff like, like a vegan diet or a paleo diet or a ketogenic diet, um, stuff that is way healthier than the standard American diet. I would say the biggest problem with those things is still that, like they forget about the source of where the food is actually coming from. Yeah. So just breaking it down from, yes, we need high fat and low carb. If you're forgetting about the source of where those are coming from, that still doesn't mean that that's a healthy diet. Yeah. Um, if you're just saying we should eat things that are alive um, and, and things that are um, plant-based stuff, yes, that's good. But if you're forgetting about how that's actually grown, how that's actually raised, then there can still be a lot of problems with that. Yeah. So, again, we're even when we come up with something good – we're still far away from, from the white people used to eat, um, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring all the good things from all, all that stuff we just labeled there and bring it back to how, how do people actually used to eat. Right, because I think we only even have the ability to have conversations like this because like, research and science has been able to get to the point where we have a much, much greater understanding of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And it's when... We try to manipulate away from, like, how things were kind of made to be that then we have these problems and we have to, like, make an effort to change and do things that are outside of the normal uh, to be healthy. Yeah. And, you know, because, again, we, we back to that <clears throat> cultural mandate that we talked about a few yeah. episodes ago, we believe that, you know, God put things here and we're supposed to then take those raw materials and then make good things out of them. Um, but because we're men and we, we screw up, um, there's a lot of bad things that have just come. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're not, if we're not being thoughtful about that and we're not looking, okay, what is good about this? And then, but then also what's bad about it, if we just assume it's good and just do more and more of it, then that's how we're, you know, that's how we've gotten so far away from what actually is good. And then we, we're getting blinded to the problems yeah. that are, that are there. That deep nutrition book that, that yeah. I, we talked about a few weeks ago, um, She's talking about, she says, one of the biggest things since the ni- early 1900s of how we've kind of gotten completely away from what a healthy diet would be, and now it's so much of man-made stuff, processed food, um, looking at individual nutrients, like we're talking about. Um, one of the biggest things that, that has that, that's actually, actually done is, um, again, what, what I just mentioned, it takes away from the, from the actual source of what is actually a healthy food and how that was that food grown. Um, because we just say, well, we just have to eat a certain amount of this, certain amount of that. And we just continue to get sicker and sicker because of that. Um, so as we get further and further away, even though we're learning more and more about food and, and what's in it and why it's even good for us, for some reason, it's not benefiting us. 
the further further away we get away from it. So back back to the deep nutrition book, um, because we get further and further away, and it's partially because it's been a sh- kind of a short amount of time since we've been eating this way, so we don't really even know all the devastating effects. But the two things that that she says has happened um, is it's it's damaging the function of our eyes, and it's damaging our bone structure and our teeth. But because so how it how it messes with our bone structure, she has this whole thing in that book, and she speaks a lot to it. Um, of there's there's actually um, kind of like a mathematical equation to what makes somebody beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, you're telling me about this. So if you look at all cultures, yeah, the most beautiful people that they see all have the same exact facial structure. Yeah, and it's all the people that are eating healthy basically yeah. is what she shows. Yeah. So when the the changes in our diet changes our structure, so we start to have like skinnier um, jaw lines, we start to have you know just asymmetrical faces, mm-hmm. all those different things. Mm-hmm. But then our teeth and our eyes, she said, if we didn't have the ability to wear glasses yeah. and we didn't have dentist to kind of, I guess, mask the problems that are in our teeth. Okay. Then the f- like stuff like vegetable oils and sugar stuff that is really destroying our health yeah. would be a much more of an emergency. So she's saying like, as we get further and further away from the human diet and as we get better and better at just masking problems, yeah, um, we're probably never going to know how actually damaging these foods are and how damaging it is to get away from the way we're supposed to eat. So that was something super interesting. Because we have these like kind of temporary symptomatic workarounds like glasses and teeth cleaning. Yeah. And then we think it's normal. Like we think that people are just to born need, with bad to eyes. To need that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are born with bad eyes. People are born with just crooked teeth. It's not actually maybe something that's happening internally in their body that we need to look into. It's just hold back to how we do healthcare now is if something's wrong, we better just figure out how to maybe mask it instead of saying why in the world is this going on and how can we correct it? How can we get back to the way people used to live when they didn't have all these things happening? How about recovering eyesight? Do you think there's ever a day where I could not need my glasses? Uh, absolutely. You think? Absolutely. Of course. Oh, okay. I have, that's one of my testimonials in my office. Seriously? Changed nothing. I just started adjusting her and she got rid of her glasses. Really? I should like try it more often. Now, don't hear me say that chiropractic cures... No, that I eyesight. no, I didn't hear that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Some listeners probably heard that. That's true. Uh, okay, I want to take it back even a little bit further. So we've been talking about the human diet, kind of talking about the processes that the human body has to be able to create energy. What about way back to kind of this more hunter-gatherer mentality where people might not eat for days at a time Mm -hmm. and just I mean I guess that just brings up the topic of fasting and I mean what 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 what's happening there how are people able to do that when like my wife and I get hangry quote unquote when we've you know gone six hours without eating (laughs) yep so again the things typically we're putting in our body let's just go back to the macronutrient thing so carbs fats and and proteins those things are all in our body and um, there's only a few of them that are what they call essential Mm -hmm. meaning that we have to get them through our diet 
So if you have, if those people that you're talking about, if they had to go a few days without being able to bring more energy source into their body, then they would just utilize the energy sources that were already in their body. Um, And this goes back to the whole burning fat for energy. Way more fat is stored on our body than sugar stores are in our body. So they couldn't do what people do now. They Mm -hmm. couldn't rely on that sugar source yeah. um, to, to fuel them. They ha- had to rely on, excuse me, they had to rely on that fat source. Um, so why somebody like us would, would kind of, what you said, ha- hangry, um, is because, again, we, we've we gotten so far away from that, so now our bodies don't really know how to make that switch over to being able to last long times mm-hmm. and burn fat for energy. We just crave more and more sugar because we need it for energy, but also our brains have been changed in a way that we we desire it for energy. Yeah. So what is, what's the reason that somebody would want to intentionally fast? There's plenty of reasons. Um, <laughs> but let's go back to the insulin thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I recommend fasting um, for people. Because most of the people that I'm dealing with, and I would assume most of the people that we're kind of speaking to here, are sugar burners. Yeah. Um, and the reason they can't become fat burners is because their insulin levels are always h- too high for mm-hmm. that to happen. Because remember, insulin shuts off your body's ability to burn fat. So how do you fix that? Well, you stop putting things in your body that produce insulin. So that's why that ketogenic diet can be powerful because you're eating mostly fat, which doesn't have an effect on insulin. Right. Um, but proteins and carbohydrates do have an effect on insulin. Carbohydrates specifically um, have the most effect on on insulin. So why somebody would intentionally fast um, is to try to get those insulin levels down as much as possible before they put food in their body, Mm -hmm. which is then going to raise them up. But then they would go back into kind of a fast, so they would bring them down, and that's kind of how your body is supposed to to work. If we look at the word breakfast, what that actually means is breaking a fast. So some people think that's just the four to eight hours that they sleep at night, but it was actually not. That's Did you say four to eight hours? Some people only sleep four hours. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's why we're going to do a whole show on sleep, <laughs> I'm sure, soon. Um, but it's more than that. Of course, that is a fast. Um, so we're sp- we were kind of created to feast and then but also have a time where we're fasting. And, yeah. Um, because most of the time we're always feasting now. Yeah. Um, now intentional fast, longer intentional fast become way more important and they're just now starting to learn all the huge benefits from that um but specifically what i was talking about there is just getting to back to the way people used to do it but also to get those insulin levels down is Mm -hmm. a big deal so when okay hold on i'm gonna pull this a little closer because i am getting that heat warning beep now we're back in the shade um when i'm gonna have to mess up my shot that's all right if you're listening to the uh, audio, you might not want to watch the video on this one. I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. <laughs> I should have moved the camera. Um, <laughs> so Great background. I know that. Yeah. The insulin dependent. The point, the point I kind of transcribed from you earlier was because we've been living off of sugar, it's made us not able to live without sugar. And so would you say one of the best like recommendations you would have for that type of person, which like to name it, correct me if I'm wrong, is just 
like diabetic, right? Uh, well, insulin resistance leads to diabetes eventually. Right, right, yeah. right. So that's kind of like the extreme of what we're talking yeah. about. Yep. Would you say one of the best things that that type of person could do would be to fast and force their body into dealing with fat? Yeah. Um, the most powerful way to become less insulin resistant, more insulin sensitive is to, of course, not trigger insulin. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I just said, carbohydrates trigger insulin the most. Proteins trigger insulin a little bit. Fat doesn't trigger insulin very much at all. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't eat any of those things, it w you wouldn't trigger insulin at all. So that's why fasting is, is huge for yeah. those type of people. Um, but not that you have to, to do that all the time. Um, but that's a, that's a powerful way to get things, get things started. Just get just things moving. Yeah. Get things moving, but also kind of develop that sort of, um, rhythm of having times where you're feasting times where you're, where you're fasting. Yeah. So we had an episode a few weeks ago where it was, uh, not made known to the listeners, but Alex hadn't eaten in like three days at that point. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience fasting? Yes, I can. Uh, I went three and a half days with just a water fast, so that should <laughs> that should be self-explanatory. But I didn't have anything except water <laughs> for three and a half days. Um, that's a little bit of a lie. I did have a couple times where I put a spoonful of coconut oil in my body just because to get something on my taste buds other than water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason I did it is because um, I've recommended a lot of intermittent fasting, which is what we've been talking about, having times throughout your day where you're not eating, but then times where you're also eating. Extending that time where you're not eating is intermittent fasting. Um, but I, if I was going to recommend an extended fast, like three, seven, 10 day fast, then I was going to, I wanted to experience it myself before, before other people did it. You um, just, you just made a few people crap their pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other reason I did it is because they're finding in research when you do that, you get into uh, that state of ketosis like we're talking about, and it's just very powerful for, for your health of your brain, um, kind of cleansing out abnormal cells that are really throughout your body but also in your brain. Mm -hmm. um, that Tripping Over the Truth book that we recommended in our, in our education um, episode um, was a book that was about this other book called Cancers of Metabolic Disease. And the guy that wrote that says the most powerful cancer prevention modality you can use is a seven-day fast once a year. And you can pretty much eliminate any chance that cancer cells are going to develop in your body. Um, so partially due to that, but then also I wanted to see what it did to my brain. Um, 24 hours was pretty easy, um, I think, just because I was motivated to n enough to do it. And yeah. I kind of set up my life um, to be the most successful. They say the second and third day are the hardest, um, which is why the seven-day thing is, is recommended because once you get past day two, three, then it actually becomes pretty easy to yeah. get to seven. Um, so day two was definitely the hardest for me. It was a struggle, um, not because I was hungry. I, don't, I bet over the course of that three and a half days, I got hungry maybe once, um, meaning like my stomach was growling and I was just like, man, I should probably put food in my body. Um, there were other times where I wanted food, um, but I knew that was just hungry up here yeah. or maybe here because I like the taste of things. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't actually hungry that my body needed needed food. Yeah. Um, one of the, probably the biggest things that I experienced was just the amount of energy and um, clarity 
in my brain mm-hmm. um, just because um, digestion of food takes so much energy away from you. Yeah. Um, when you're not needing to digest, you have more energy. And um, when you cut all uh, that, when I said when your body breaks down things for energy, there's a lot of waste products. So if you're not needing to break down that food for energy, there's less waste. So that just kind of brings more mental clarity um, for you. And plus the ketones that I was t- producing when mm-hmm. I was in the ketosis also is good for the brain. So it was it was actually a pretty good experience. Um, the reason I stopped is because I asked the guy that I read the most about fasting, and he said in order to get the benefit that I was primarily looking for, which is the brain stuff, I would have had to have went 7 to 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really think I want to go 7 to 10 days for my first one. So I stopped at 3.5. But it wasn't because I was dying. Yeah, because I chose to, which is a difference because a lot of people say fasting is pretty much starving yourself. Well, the difference in starving yourself and fasting is when I'm fasting, I can choose to eat any time. Sure. When you're starving, you can't choose to eat. Sure. Because you don't have any food to eat or somebody's depriving you from your food source. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of mental stuff, mental stress, emotional stress that comes in with that that makes things go, your physiology becomes in a state of stress instead of a state of healing and repair. Yeah. So that's the big difference in fasting and Starvation. Starvation. Yeah. Why was coconut oil your uh, asterisk food of choice? Uh, because it's just, it's only fat. It's saturated fat. Um, and one of the saturated fat, the fatty acids that are in it um, is also ketone producing. So I was already producing ketones just by fasting, but mm-hmm. also just going to kind of magnify that effect by putting those that type of fat in my body. Yeah. Um, and again, it wasn't going to ruin my fast because it doesn't spike insulin at all. Right. When you spike insulin, it takes away any sort of benefit from fasting that, you c- that you're doing. Sure. So that brings me to some, okay, you, you, you took it to the, the intermittent fasting, kind of getting these brief, uh, you know, glimpses of some of the benefits from fasting and this kind of ketosis, uh, Something that's crazy, crazy popular is bulletproof coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's going on there? So you talked a little bit with the coconut oil. Like, what? Why is why is that such a big deal? Well, there's just a uh, what he's found is the combination of what are called polyphenols mm-hmm. in the in the coffee. It's just an antioxidant, basically, in a coffee. Um, combined with the coconut oil, or he's now made it into basically taking things from coconut oil and making them more highly concentrated, and then the grass-fed butter, just the fatty acids that are in those, um, specifically for your brain, has a huge um, positive impact Mm -hmm. on your brain. Um, So it kind of gives you nutrition without all those negative effects, um, again, of the insulin insulin spiking. So it's kind of a way of staying in a fasting state but putting putting something in your body, um, which takes care of, again, there's th- kind of three ways that we get hungry. The main one is if our, actually, our body needs food. The other one is if we like the way things taste, so we think we're hungry, or if our brain's saying, I need mm-hmm. more carbohydrates. Uh, the bulletproof kind of takes care of the one in the head and the one in the tongue, I feel like. Yeah. Um, why we can still and stay in kind of that fasting state yeah. and get the benefits from it. Um, he got that from actually, I think, um, somewhere in the Middle East, I think, or 
Andes Mountains, there are these kind of this primitive um, civilization that he was visiting that took tea, a form of tea, and put yak butter in it Whoa. and drank that. And he was just like, well, these people are living to over 100 years old. And they drink this all the time, so maybe I should figure out why. And then now he, you know, of course, tries to make it his own. Yeah. So that's a that's tight, by the way. That's a great example of that point I was trying to make about how, like, we see something good happening, and he is a like too smart for his own good kind of guy. Used technology to figure out, okay, what's going on here and how can I, like, support the way that my body is supposed to function? Yep. Yep. Did my thing just shut off? No. We're good. So he, he that's a great example of what we're trying to do is taking, again, what people that are the healthiest in the world just do naturally and then what we can take that's good from all the technology and all the, the advancement of understanding things in a better way and then yeah. marry those two things and, and now we have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, a great example of that. Do you have uh, any type of general prescription for like, so the reason I ask this question is because uh, like obviously the fasting stuff is something that you do leave talked before about the bulletproof and stuff that we do. Do you have any type of like prescription of what is a good idea to how much to do those types of things? Um, I think it kind of depends on the state that the person is in. Mm -hmm. Um, but just generally, uh, I would say developing a rhythm of getting longer periods of a fasting, of a fasting state. Yeah. And, uh, yes, there's a bunch of different benefits to something like a bulletproof coffee, but um, for me, the primary benefit of that is just that's a way that I can avoid having another meal. Sure. Um, so I think that that's one of the main reasons I recommend doing something like that. I just know that it's helpful for people who are struggling, whether it's a carb addiction or just always wanting food for some reason. Yeah. Um, that's just a way of keeping them in that kind of the fasted state. So I intermittent fast every day. Um, whether it's as, as small as 10 hours, um, sometimes I go up to 20 hours. Mm -hmm. So anywhere in that 10 to 20 hour period, 14 obviously is kind of the middle there. Um, that's, that would, I guess if I was going to prescribe something to somebody, that's what I would try to do. Yeah. And what's kind of funny is people, so we're, we're contrasting like this health and aesthetic thing, but I think people will hear what you just said and say, oh, skip a meal? Okay, so, like, you are probably cutting your calories, so you're probably, like, losing weight type of thing. Yeah. And I think, like, I think a fair amount of people have caught on to stuff like Bulletproof and intermittent fasting for just that reason alone. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm almost like, okay, like whatever gets you to, whatever gets you to do it. Like right. we can have conversations around the rest of the food you're putting in your body the rest of the day. But like, if that's what gets you to be doing something beneficial, like that is another benefit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, even so, if, and I hate, I hate to recommend something like this, but <laughs> let's say you totally disregarded everything we're saying about like trying to get back to the human diet and you ate kind of the standard American diet. Yeah. Which you did the intermittent fasting or even just stuck to like three meals a day where you had more fasting yeah. than feasting, you would see some, some pretty huge changes. Yeah. Um, 
and I've seen that with people for sure. Um, cause I have to kind of talk to them and say, where are you at? What do we think we can do? Mm. And unfortunately most people are like, well, I don't really want to change the way I eat. And I'm like, well, let's change how much or how often you're eating. Sure. Let's try to get some more fasting in there. And that, that's been huge for people. It's pretty cool. Sweet. I feel like we've covered, hit this pretty well. Do you have any other points you want to hit on with this? Um, the one thing I th- don't think we did get to, and so that just means <laughs> now we got another episode, is <laughs> I want to dive into the kind of more deeply because we're we're trying to get more and more narrow with the nutrition thing before we move on to other things that are important for a, a restoring human lifestyle. Um, so yes, we want to talk about the good things, something like a fasting, you know, spreading out your meals, eating real food, but I think we also have to talk about the bad stuff that happens when you don't do that. So I want to dive more into kind of what vegetable oils actually do mm. for your body, what sugar does to your body, what chemicals do to your body. Sure. Instead of just kind of a general thing of, you know, minimize That's toxicity yeah. or stop eating sugar, kind of why um, is it so bad and what's it doing and how is it taking us so far away from where we're at? So. Um, maybe that's just kind of a teaser for where we're cool. going to go in the future. Cool. Not next week because next week we have a very special guest. I'm not going to name her, but I'll tell you it's a her and that she accepted our invitation to come talk to us. Did I tell you she accepted our invitation? You did. Okay. Uh, so next week will be episode 10, but episode one of our first interview. Yeah, and what I just talked about, I think we could probably put some of that in there. You know, just That's what true. she's done of how, you know, if she didn't do this, why, or what she was doing before, how it actually led to problems that she was experiencing, and why changing helped her with those problems. So we'll yeah. be able to do that. Cool. So stay tuned. Dang it, I said it again. Whatever. You don't like the tune thing? I just it's, it, it doesn't make sense. Like that's a that's a radio reference. Like you're tuning your radio into the station <laughs> to get that. <laughs> Whatever. Next week, uh, cool episode in store for you. I'm not sure which what day of the week. We don't really have a strict rhythm here, so I don't know why I'm concerned about it. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening in. Catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.